Hi, friends. It's Vin Scully. It's time for Dr. Clapper. In sports, there's winning and losing and getting injured. That's why there's Dr. Clapper. Dr. Clapper is the former head of orthopedic surgery at Cedar sinai The Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper, presented by Cedar sinai Hey, Dr. Clapper. How are you? Saturday mornings from 7 to 9. Silence is golden when you can't think of a good answer. <laughs> yes, Doc, I love your show. Now, here he is, Dr. Robert Clapper. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. Having so much fun like we do each and every Saturday. Goes by so quick, doesn't it? Today's topic is near and dear to my heart because nobody gave me anything on a silver platter. I just had big dreams and I just tried my best to make them happen. It was a journey. It was a struggle. And the beautiful to be on top of the mountain. So whenever I come across someone else with a struggle, with a journey, and they succeed, it fascinates me. The NBA championship is over. The winner, the Milwaukee Bucks, their star, Giannis Antetokounmpo, a Nigerian family moving to Greece, growing up in Greece, playing soccer, never really knowing about basketball till later. Knowing my guest at 8.15 was going to be his biographer. But his post-game press conference, where he scored 50 points, crushed the other team. But it was his post-game press conference where he said, I could have joined the super team. But I'm staying with these guys. I'm staying in this small little city because this is my city. I could have done it the super team way, go to L.A., go to the Knicks, go to Miami. But no, I want to do it the right way, the hard way. It made me think I love the world of sports, the world of art, the world of surgery. Listen to Giannis in that press conference. This is my city. You know, they trust me. They believe in me. They believed in us. Even when we were like we were last, the city still was like on our side. And um, you know, obviously, I want I wanted to get the job done. You know, uh, they, but that's my stubborn side. Like it's easy to go somewhere and go and win a championship with somebody else. It's easy. I could go. I, I don't want to put anybody in the spot. But I could go to a super team, and you know, just do my part and win a championship. Still one. But this is the hard way to do it, and this is the way. And we did it. And we did it. But who does he give credit to? He gives credit to Chris Middleton, who was there from the beginning, who pushed him, made that journey possible for him. And he's so secure in who he is, he can't wait to give credit to his teammate. Listen to him talk about Chris Middleton. He doesn't realize how much he pushed me to be great. He pushes me to be great. You know, I had a lot of people throughout my career that pushed me to be great and be consistent and be just be dominant, just keep coming, keep working hard. And he's one of those guys, you know. And uh, there was nobody in this world that I would rather do this journey with than that guy. You know, uh, he's been here since the beginning. You know, he's been here since the day we were fighting for uh, some minutes. And he was yelling to me when we were, <clears throat> I was 18. He was yelling to me to like basketball and all that. We were fighting on the court, you know, we were kids. And now we, in this stage, doing it together. This made me think about this guy. Someone else who could have left the group and been in a solo career in the world of art, music, Mick Jagger. But he stays with the Rolling Stones. Why? I couldn't get this song out of my head. Mick Jagger could have left. Could have gotten another guitar player, another drummer. But no, he stays. He stays like Giannis stays. And now you're going to hear Mick Jagger sound a lot like Giannis. This is Mick Jagger, not winning an NBA championship, but getting inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, talking about his city, 
his team, his band. You know, it's, it's slightly ironic that tonight we're all on it. You see us on our best behavior, um, but we're being rewarded for 25 years of bad behavior. <laughs> There's also a bit of music on the side, but um, I, I have to be slightly sappy, I suppose. And uh, I'm, I must say, I'm very proud to work with this group of musicians for 25 years. He's loyal to that band, but just like Giannis gives credit for being pushed to do things he wasn't going to do on his own, Mick Jagger gives credit to Brian Jones, who died at 27 of a drug overdose. But Brian Jones is the one who started that band, but pushed Mick Jagger. Hey, we should use the sitar in this song. I want to play a harmonica in this song. I want to write the lyrics to the songs and not just cover Chuck Berry, not just cover other people, but write their own songs. This is what Brian Jones did to Mick Jagger. He pushed him, just like Chris Middleton pushed Giannis. Listen to him thanking Brian Jones for making me do things I didn't want to do, but in the end, it was awesome what you made me do. The other thing I'm very proud of is the songs that Keith and I have written over the last... 25 years. I'd like to pay tribute to two people who can't be here tonight. One, uh, Ian Stewart, uh, a great friend, a great blues pianist, whose odd but invaluable musical advice kept us on a steady bluesy course for most of the time. And to Brian Jones, whose individuality and musicianship often took us off the bluesy course with some often marvelous results. Marvelous results. The reason the loyalty's there is because of the struggle. You were there when I was nothing, and so I ain't going anywhere. That's where it comes from. Listen to Mick Jagger, 80 years old practically, talking to Keith Richards at this point in their career about the beginning this dusty old apartment where they couldn't even afford the rent or the heating bill, shoplifting for food. I need you to hear what they describe the beginning of the Rolling Stones. Brian had a guitar, Keith had a guitar, and yeah. they had a, we had a sofa in the corner, we had a gas fire, which you would have put shilling in. Oh yeah, the meter. The meter, yeah, and if you didn't have yeah. a shilling. And then how did we used to eat? Uh, I don't know. I, I think we always went out. We went out? Yeah. There was a there was a chippy there on the corner there. There there was a kind of cat that there was, was open all the time. There was a tally well around the corner. There was a there was a fry up place. You know, weirdly enough, I can't remember sleeping or eating. <laughs> we, like must have, we must have done that though. I can't remember. But we must uh, have done a lot of that. Keith Richards cannot remember. Did we sleep? Did we eat? We had to. We're alive. What about shoplifting? If you got no money, hey, you got no money, you got to shoplift. That's a lovely piece of chocolate, he says. Where did you get that? Uh, underneath my jacket. And we had a lot of friends over, though. Yeah, it but we also us. used to do a little shoplifting. Shoplifting? <laughs> I remember shoplifting for food. Yeah, you used yeah, to do that. I didn't actually Brian do that. Brian and me were, like, yeah, under <laughs> the hood. Well, you know, this guy said, where'd you get that, Keith? <laughs> That's a nice piece of chocolate. Manna from heaven. <laughs> <laughs> That's the Rolling Stones. That's what their beginning was like. And here's my favorite story. It was Brian Jones who came up with the name of the group. And in actual fact, we were sitting on that bloody carpet uh, where we came up with the name Rolling Stones. Because yeah, that's where we were making the phone call. Wanted to put an ad into yeah. the Jazz News, which was like a hip magazine, you know. Yeah, for jazz people. And, uh, Brian's on the phone and we, we wanna, we're playing at so-and-so uh, on Wednesday. Da, 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 and they said, yeah, but what are you called? <laughs> what are you called? What's your name? And we had so Muddy, we had to agree. We had Muddy Waters' album yeah. Yeah. Uh, on the backside and the first track was called Rolling Stone Blues. And then we, said, we looked at it and said, this is costing us money. Rolling Stones. That's and, and done. That Isn't that amazing? That's where the loyalty comes from. When you got nothing and you stick together. It made me think, where else in sports do we see a Gianna story where you come from Greece or Cyprus, which is next door, 
and you come to this country, you only played soccer. Giannis didn't play basketball. Well, Garo Yopremian, who's the star of the Miami Dolphins' undefeated season, 1972, was their kicker. He never played football. He never saw football before, but he was a soccer player, and he could kick. Can you imagine the journey that Giannis went through? Picking up basketball and then coming to the NBA and being an MVP and now a champion? I think Gary Yopremium can put it better into words. Coming from the Mediterranean like Giannis and landing in Detroit with the Detroit Lions. Listen to this. Thursday night, I signed a contract with the Detroit Lions when they found out that I didn't have a working permit. I said to my brother, what is a working permit? He said, first of all, you came from another country. You need a green card. And second of all, you've got to have a social security card to work in the States. I said, well, let's go and get one of each of those things right away. Oh, he said, it takes usually about a year to get that. He said, I'll talk to the management of the Detroit Lions and see what they can do. We went to the Detroit Lions, talked to Mr. William Clay Ford. He said, don't worry, we'll take care of this. The next morning, they put me in a limousine with two attorneys, took me to the immigration office, social security office, police station. By 8 o'clock, same day, my papers were all in order. What a country. The loyalty starts that way, where someone takes care of you. And that's what the people of Milwaukee did for Giannis. And that's how Gary Yopremium felt. It starts when you got nothing and you struggle. Listen to Gary Yopremium talk about the very first football game he's in, the very first time he kicks the ball as a kicker with his soccer kick. He has no idea that these people are going to chase him. His coach said, hey, as soon as you kick the ball, get the hell off the field. They're going to kill you. Come and stand right by me. The only problem is Garrow panicked and ran to the wrong sideline. Listen to him tell it. This is the most dangerous game in the world. You don't know what you're getting into. We advise you that when you go out there and kick off, you'd better run out because they're going to kill you. I lined up with my teammates. The opposing team is lined up in front of me. Referees under the goalposts. I'm all nervous. I've never done this before. Just as I'm contemplating what I'm supposed to do, I hear somebody yelling from the sidelines, and I looked out there. It was Coach Harry Gilmer. He said, Garrow, I forgot to tell you. As soon as you kick the ball, come and stand by me. Okay, pretty good instructions. God knows what they told Giannis about basketball. This is what Garrow Yopremian is being told by his coach with American football. I said, I guess I'm going to get killed today. Referee blew the whistle. I ran towards the ball, hit it perfectly with a nice swing. The ball was going beautifully end over end. It was such a beautiful kick, I forgot about running out. Then I realized they're paying me a lot of money. I figured part of my job is to pick up the tea. So I turned my back. <laughs> bend over to pick up the tea when I heard some footsteps behind me. <laughs> heard some footsteps? They're going to kill you, Garrow. It dawned on me that they had warned me to get out of there. I said, forget the tea, save your life. <laughs> I started running towards the sidelines. It felt like I was in a nightmare. My arms are moving fast, my legs are moving fast. I look behind me and I see four huge Baltimore Colts players almost on top of me. I ran as fast as I could. I must have ran so fast that I passed the sidelines already. And the next thing I saw was the bench. I said, if I sit on the bench, I'll be safe. I sat on the bench, the biggest roar you've ever heard in your life. I'm all embarrassed. I covered my face, a bigger roar in, in the stadium. I was wondering what was wrong. I looked up to see what was wrong. I was on the wrong bench. <laughs> <laughs> That's where the loyalty comes from. Be with me in the beginning during the struggle, and I'll stay with you forever. Mick Jagger didn't have a solo career. Giannis brought that trophy to Milwaukee, and he ain't going anywhere. He ain't joining a super team. I'm staying at Cedar sinai I ain't going anywhere. It's a beautiful thing, loyalty. But it comes from struggling and making it to the top. We'll get into that journey with an expert, Giannis Antetokounmpo's expert, his biographer, 
Mirren Fader joins me next. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warriors show here on 710 ESPN. Miss an interview or Doc's weekly story? Check it out on the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Also, Doc's advice to callers on their aches and pains. Just type Weekend Warrior in the Facebook search bar and you'll see Doc's picture in the listings. And thanks for checking out the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. It's Max. You know there's no better way to start your Saturday morning than with my friend Dr. Clapper and the Weekend Warrior Show. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. I got two words for you. Forget about it. Start your weekend off right. Listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. How about that Weekend Warrior Show? Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN. 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Good times it is. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. I'm so excited to talk to the great Mirren Fader. Mirren, thanks so much for getting up early to be with us. Are you there? Did we lose her? Mirren, you yeah, there? Can you hear me? Yep, now we can hear you. Thanks so much for getting yeah, up early to be with us. Thanks for having me. Can I play a, t- a sound bite? And I just would love to hear what, you, what goes through your head when you hear Giannis in his post-championship conference talking about choosing to stay in Milwaukee and not join a super team. Here it is. This is my city. You know, they, they trust me. They believe in me. They believe in us. Even when we were like, we were last, the city still was like on our side. And, um, you know, obviously I, want, I wanted to get the job done. You know, uh, they, but that's my stubborn side. Like, it's easy to go somewhere and go and win a championship with somebody else. It's easy. I could go, I I don't put anybody in the spot, but I could go to a super team and, you know, just do my part and win a championship, still one. But this is the hard way to do it, and this is the way, and we did it. It's his city, Mirren. You, more than anybody else, knows what it's like. Is it true the people in Milwaukee used to pick him up and give him a ride to the arena? Yeah, there was one woman that I detailed in the book that did that. But yeah, there's, you know, I talked to so many Milwaukee fans for the book and everyone has a Giannis story. Oh, he talked to me for 30 minutes in Walmart. Oh, he came to my, you know, recital and told me about this and that. Like he has personal connections to random strangers in this city. And I think it's because he felt gratitude that this city stuck by him you know he's not a a modern day prospect that's like wow you guys are lucky to have me he's like oh man you got i'm lucky that you drafted me and i'm gonna prove to you that i'm worthy so he's never forgotten that well we're lucky to be able to talk to you mirin so tell us a little bit about you where did you grow up what did your mom and dad do for a living and how does a great girl Decide she's going to be in the sports business, and I can only imagine what that is like. Tell us your journey. Yeah, you know, I started, so I'm from Los Angeles, and I was in elementary school, and I was in fifth grade, and I saw all these boys, um, like, rushing towards the basketball court. And I was like, where are they going? You know, why are all these guys <laughs> going to this rectangular, you know, because I didn't know it's called a basketball court. It ah. looked like a giant rectangle. And I was like, oh, I wonder what's going on. And so I went with them, and I, and I picked up a ball, and I was like, oh, my God, this is so cool. And um, I played for, like, hours, and then I actually started writing that day as well. I went back and wrote in a diary, and I was like, I just tried this thing called basketball. It's so awesome. So that led me on. Yeah, that led me on like a decade-long journey. I did not even want to be a writer. I wanted to be a basketball player. I wanted to be in the WNBA. And yeah, I just worked for like a decade. I ended up playing one year at Lewis and Clark College in Oregon. And um, this whole time I've been writing. And I think, you know, once basketball uh, ended for me, I was like, okay, how do I stay within basketball? I love this sport so much. And I was like, well, I've been writing my whole life. Like maybe I should write. And so, yeah, it was it seemed natural. Where did you go to high school? And what did your mom and dad do for a living? Oh, yeah. Sorry. I went to Laces. I don't know if you've heard of it. Los Angeles Center for Enriched Studies. Mm-hmm. Um, and my parents 
Yeah, my, it's on Fairfax and 18th, and um, my parents are now retired, but my mom was a professor, and my dad is an um, architect. And it was never like, oh, my God, why do you want to be in the WNBA, or why do you want to be a sports writer, which are both equally <laughs> tough. WNBA, I'm five feet tall, so that was an uphill battle. Sports writing, I'm like the only woman, so, you know, luckily I just kind of kept pushing, even though I, I guess I didn't quite fit the mold. <laughs> well, you don't. I went to Far Rockaway High School, graduated in 1975, so I'm a million years old. But do you know who was in my <laughs> high school when I was there? Who? Nancy Lieberman. Who? Wow! That's right. Oh my Nancy, gosh. And I have still my high school yearbook with a big picture of her on the basketball team, and as a school, we I remember vividly with the hat going around the class where we all put in whatever change we had to get money together to send Nancy Lieberman to the Pan Am games because she couldn't afford the plane ticket or whatever. But the whole school sent Nancy Lieberman because that girl could kick anyone's butt on the basketball court, man or woman. She was amazing as a high school player, and look at what became of Nancy Lieberman. So, as they say, you go, girl. Oh Good for you, Mira, and I love it. Good for you. Where'd you go well, to college? I So I started at Lewis and Clark College and then transferred to Occidental College out here. Ah. And I graduated from Occidental. Yeah, so I stayed pretty local. Did um, I you eat, in 2013. Did you eat uh, the sausage pizza at Casa Bianca uh, on Colorado Boulevard? Oh. Not that one, but I love that place, and I'm really happy that they're still in business in the pandemic. Yeah, I don't want to say their name too much because I don't want they're crowded enough. I don't want to give that away, but that's I live in Encino. I get in my car and I drive to Occidental just to eat the pizza there. Thank you very much. That's that's love. That's love. love. So. What I find, first of all, so we everybody knows, tell us again the name of the book that you wrote about Giannis before he became a champion. Yeah, Giannis, The Improbable Rise of an NBA MVP. It's just, just an unbelievable, most lovable superstar. So this show, because I'm a sculptor, I'm a surgeon, I love art, I love sports, and I love surgery – is trying to find those dots to connect. So for me, hearing that press conference, knowing that Giannis is staying in that small town, being so beloved, it it really t- teaches us about loyalty to your team, to your band, to your hospital, whatever it is. He's all about being loyal. So who in the music business is loyal? Mick Jagger. Mick Jagger did not leave the Rolling Stones. And what's fascinating to me is in that same press conference when Giannis credits Chris Middleton for pushing him. I'm going to play the soundbite. I want to hear what you have to say, and then I'm going to play the one from Mick Jagger. Listen to this, and I want to hear what you think, what goes through your mind when you hear him talk about his teammate. He doesn't realize how much he pushed me to be great. He pushes me to be great. You know, I had a lot of people throughout my career that pushed me to be great and be consistent and be just be dominant, just keep coming, keep working hard. And he's one of those guys, you know. And uh, there was nobody in this world that I would rather do this journey with than that guy. You know, uh, he's been here since the beginning. You know, he's been here since the day we were fighting for uh, some minutes. And he was yelling to me when we were, <clears throat> I was 18. He was yelling to me to like pass the ball and all that. We were just fighting on the court, you know, we were kids. And now we, in this stage, doing it together. What do you think? What goes through your, now that you know him so well with all the people that you interviewed, the research, the time you put in to write this book, how beautiful that he deflects the credit to Chris Middleton. Yeah, you know, that's classic Giannis. He, he's different from every other modern-day superstar in the fact that he's not, like, one of those guys that, like, it's all about me. In fact, he is almost uncomfortable in the spotlight. Hmm. And it's interesting that he is so deferential to, to Middleton in the best way possible um, in ways that are so commendable. It's because, you know, when they were, um, they were on the Bucks together in those early years, Middleton was the better player and Giannis wanted to be the team leader and they had moments where, you know, it was really competitive between them, but they learned to really love each other and realize that they need each other. And I think that that shows the growth 
of Giannis's leadership in the sense of being a leader doesn't always mean that you have to take the shot. It doesn't always mm. mean that you get all the credit and all the adulation. Being a leader means complimenting others, uplifting others, putting other people in positions to succeed. And you will not find a bigger advocate for Chris Middleton than Giannis. And I mm. think that just shows tremendous leadership growth in him. Like, I would want to play with Giannis. You know, when, mm. I, when I've been hearing about all this, like, who's going to what team, I don't know why there aren't, like, 10 guys rushing to come to Milwaukee right now. <laughs> mm. He just sounds like the best person to play with. Exactly right. I love, I mean, what's great about your knowledge of Giannis is you can speak better than anybody about that transition. And I use on this show the example in my lifetime beforehand was, because I'm so much older, the greatest football team that I got to see was the 1972 Miami Dolphins, which went undefeated and won the Super Bowl. Their kicker, the reason they won, came not from Greece, but from Cyprus. He played soccer, Garo Upremium. He didn't know one end of a football from another. And I just want you to listen to his description of what it was like to make the transition to America and to football. And I need you to then listen to this and tell us what it was like for Giannis as a culture shock. This is Garo Upremium. Thursday night, I signed a contract with the Detroit Lions when they found out that I didn't have a working permit. I said to my brother, what is a working permit? He said, first of all, you came from another country, you need a green card, and second of all, you've got to have a social security card to work in the States. I said, well, let's go and get one of each of those things right away. Oh, he said, it takes usually about a year to get that. He said, I'll talk to the management of the Detroit Lions and see what they can do. We went to the Detroit Lions, talked to Mr. William Clay Ford. He said, don't worry. We'll take care of this. Next morning, they put me in a limousine with two attorneys, took me to the immigration office, social security office, police station. By 8 o'clock, same day, my papers were all in order. What a country. <laughs> Tell us what it was like. Did he play basketball in as a kid? I don't think he did. He played soccer. What was Giannis's transition like to basketball? Yeah, it was not something that was on his mind. His dad played professional soccer um, in Nigeria, and so Giannis wanted to be just like his dad, Charles, and play soccer. And it wasn't until this random Greek man, Spiros Velinatis, came up to him and said, hey, I think, you know, you should play basketball. You should play for my team. Did he ever think about basketball? But, you know, Giannis didn't even really play, like, every day as something he was dedicated to until he was about 16 years old because those early years he had to leave basketball practice and go with his parents to sell items at faraway beaches, upscale places. So, mm. you know, it's not this romantic story. Oh, I love basketball from the moment I saw it. Mm -hmm. You know, for him it, it took time, and he ended up loving it. And but he had so many other things to worry about. Number one, he and his entire family were undocumented. So um, he did not have papers. And so it was hard to get scouted for basketball because he couldn't leave the country. Mm. And he, the only reason why he was able to come to America and play basketball is because the Greek government expedited his citizenship at the last minute and gave him papers. But mm. they didn't give it to his mom. They didn't give it to his dad. They didn't give it to the rest of them. So um, it just really goes to show you that, you know, although basketball was becoming a big part of his life, he had so many other things to worry about. His dad died? Yes, yes. At um, what at age, age and of what? Yeah, 54 of a heart attack. It was a couple years back now. Mm. Um, this is absolutely devastating, mm. for be honest, because he thought, okay, well, I overcame this difficult childhood. I overcame everything that there was, I thought. You know, I thought once we got through that and came to America, life would be good. And so it was almost even more cruel for that to have happened. Miri, can you stay on for just another segment? I just want to pay some bills. I just want to ask you about his mom. And nobody knows her better than you. Is that okay? Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. All right. We're talking to the great Mirren Fader, who wrote an unbelievable book about Giannis Antetokounmpo. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warriors show here on 710 ESPN.
Holy Emoji Platform. Weekend Warriors on Facebook. Holy Slip Disc. That's right, Robin. Hear listeners talk about their aches and pains. Holy Hamstrings. Along with Doc's Clapper Vision. Breathe deeply. And advice to callers. On your toes, Robin. So like, follow, and enjoy. A wise decision. The Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Frankly, I can think of nothing more stimulating. Hey, it's Mace. You know, there is no better way to start your Saturday than with Dr. Clapper and the Weekend Warrior Show, 7 to 9 a.m. Saturday mornings. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. Magandan Umaga. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. Cells are just tiny people. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, welcome back, Weekend Warriors. Only Steve Paulette would come up with Zorba the Greek while we're talking about Giannis Antetokounmpo with his biographer, Mirren Fader. Mirren, I want to play a soundbite once again about Keith Richards and Rolling Stone's Mick Jagger about their mom. Listen to this. When we first moved in there, though, at, both Keith and our mums used to do our washing for us, and they used to bring And both Keith and our mums would, would somehow get us, I can't remember how we got there, but they would deliver somehow yeah, clean clothes. British Railways. Is it true Gianna sent his entire paycheck every time he got it back home to give to his mom? Pretty much most of it. I mean, you know, everything he did was for her. He even didn't spend his per diem every day. They gave you separate money for meals and stuff, and he just kept them in a suitcase of all these envelopes just waiting for her to come. And it was for the dad, too. But, you know, Veronica, his mom, is a very special person. She was very conscious of wanting her kids to grow up knowing that they had a happy childhood and happy memories, even though things were really hard. And so she forced herself to smile and to sacrifice. And even if she'd be out there for 14 hours, she would make sure to come home with a smile and wash the one pair of socks that Giannis had. So they'd be clean for basketball practice tomorrow. It's little things like that, that she did for him that he'll never forget. And it's funny because, um, Jared Dudley used to be on the Bucks, and when Giannis was about 21 years old, Jared and him were on a bus ride to a game, and Jared's like, you got to move out of your mom's house because Giannis was sharing a, a home in America that year with his mom, and um, Giannis was like, no, never, you know, and so it's, <laughs> it's a different level of, of closeness than, than us Americans are used to. Wow. What's your favorite part about the book that you wrote that the discovery that you made my favorite anecdote happened rookie year when he was having a tough transition to suddenly becoming a millionaire and um he didn't trust anyone because he grew up undocumented he never know who could deport his parents so one day rookie year in milwaukee he had to get his cable installed and he didn't trust the cable worker so he asked a buck staffer to be there so the the guy comes from the Bucks, and it takes a long time. It's from 9 to 4 uh, p.m. And the staffer gets hungry. He eats a couple Oreos in Giannis's pantry, doesn't think anything of it. Giannis sees him at practice the next day, and he's like, hey, did you eat my Oreos? Yeah. And the staffer's like, <laughs> the staffer's like uh, <laughs> what? And Giannis's like, well, I noticed three were missing. Uh. And the staffer, the staffer is just stunned, right? Like, who does that? But then it makes sense. It's like, of course Giannis counts his Oreos. You know, he grows up having to know acutely how much he has and how much he does not have. And he's he was still that, that child inside that was without. And so... You know, it was just, it gave me so much perspective into what this guy has gone through. You know, it's not this easy thing like, oh, yeah, now I make a million dollars. It's so great. Life is beautiful. It's like, it can, it's not easy when you come from what he came from. It sometimes takes someone from Nigeria who grew up in Greece to teach us how beautiful it is to be in America. You know, sometimes we just take it for granted and we need someone like Giannis to remind us how beautiful the American life really is. Uh, what what culturally is different about Greece than America? 
You know, I found it really interesting that Giannis's childhood coaches told me that when he was disappointed in his game, he would openly cry, like on the bench, all of that, you know, after mm-hmm. the game, before the game, whatever. And it was not seen as weird. And then when he did that his rookie year in, in America and he starts crying, his coaches are like, stop crying. You know, like you can't show that publicly. So I think like, you know, I don't know. All I know is from Yama's experience, but it appears that boys and men are socialized differently over there. You know, they're not told to hold in their emotions like we are over here. Um, so I, I just found that to be interesting. But um, I know for sure there are humble American players. You know, it's not like, oh, overseas guys are humble, American guys arrogant. I think you could find both in each country. But I do think overall the way that international players are groomed and taught is a much more global, well-rounded, humble approach. It's not I deserve, it's I earn. Mm. Um, and I, I really respect that. One of the nice things about him and his story is what a big to-do he made for his brother who's on the Lakers, who got a ring before he did, and how he mm-hmm. really sticks up for his brothers. Another brother, I think, just got signed by uh, Milwaukee to play. But tell us a little bit about the the beautiful relationship. Him and his mom is special, but amongst him and his brothers. Yeah, you know, the youngest brother, Alex, was telling me that the relationship is so unique because it came from a situation where nobody got any special treatment. So Alex, he said, we never fought and we don't fight to this day because we shared everything. Nothing was individual to anyone. So this, they, they just were always used to sharing and they were each other's heroes and best friends. And even though things were hard, they made things happy. They made a game out of walking to the bus stop. They had to take like three buses to get to the gym in mm-hmm. Greece all those days. So now that they're all adults and they're living this dream that none of them thought possible, Kostas, the one that was previously on the Lakers that you mentioned, he told me, it's crazy. It's a dream. Ten years ago, we didn't even play basketball. Hmm. So I think like there, there is a gratitude among them for being in the moment. It never gets old. They never take it for granted. And they're genuinely happy for each other's success. You know, the Nassus, the Buck, the guy that just resigned on the Bucks, he's the oldest. And he watched baby brother's dreams bloom before his. And he was never jealous. He was never like, I should be here before you. He was Giannis's biggest cheerleader. The first time Giannis got um, named an all-star starter, Thanasis uh, was playing in Spain, and Thanasis woke up at the crack of dawn to make sure he was the first call to Giannis to say congratulations. So, um, you know, it's, it's Giannis's biggest goal this entire time has not just been to win a championship for Milwaukee. It's to have all of his brothers in the NBA achieving this dream. And Alex, the youngest one, has been working out for some summer league teams. So maybe we'll see that happen. Mm. Mirren Fader, listen, I've written three books with Linda Yui. Heal your hips, heal your knees. But I, So I know what it's like. I know the work that gets put in to write a book and how difficult it is and how rewarding it is when it first comes out. Let me tell you something, young lady. You now have an orthopedic surgeon in your back pocket. God forbid you ever need somebody. You get hurt. There we go. It'll be my pleasure to help you because bringing to light this story you were the you're the right person because it is all about a female touch because he ain't Giannis unless he has his mom and nobody better can understand that than you you realize where this nurturing comes from and I heard you being interviewed by the Cam brothers and sitting on the couch and making eye contact with the mom it's a beautiful story that I'm not so sure You know, I'm probably politically incorrect to say that, but I don't think a man gets to Giannis and and the beauty behind it, like your sensibilities, plus the fact that you played basketball. Mm. What a perfect person to describe and take us through his life. God bless you for doing it. I can't wait to read the book. And thanks so much for joining us this morning. We really appreciate it. I can't thank you enough. Um, Your kind words are... I'm really touched. I really enjoyed this. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure, Miran. We're all going to look out for that book. What a pleasure to meet you on the radio and to share your love of Giannis and your love of writing and your love of basketball. It's more than just one topic that you're going to appreciate when you read this book. Thanks again for joining us. All right, Warriors, the clinic will be open. The number is 877-710-ESPN. 
You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN. Get smart. Just what are you getting at? Check out the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Like this. Medical advice from Cedar Sinai, head of orthopedic surgery. Are you kidding? With a far rockaway attitude and a little drizzle of mozzarella. Well, it's important to me. Search Weekend Warrior in the space bar. Like this. And click on Doc's picture. I see. Like, follow, and enjoy the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. This is Keyshawn in the morning. My man, Dr. Clapper, and the Weekend Warrior Show starts your Saturday morning. Join the doc from 7 to 9 a.m. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. Roberto Clapperio, a fish tacologist. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. I know the ins and outs of a fish taco. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. Talk about happy. The world's a beautiful place when you know you got people like Mir and Fader walking around, watching things, observing things, talking to people, and being able to put down on a piece of paper something we could read about a beautiful human being, Giannis Antetokounmpo. You can just tell when he says, I could have joined a super team. And then he realized, uh-oh, I may be offending Kevin Durant. You know, I don't want to offend anybody. But I want to do it the way Michael Jordan did it. And then you hear Mick Jagger getting into the Hall of Fame saying, yeah, everybody calm down. Yeah, we're the Rolling Stones. Yeah, I'm Mick Jagger. But there's two people I got to thank because I didn't do it alone. My writing partner, Keith Richards, my buddy all these years, and even Brian Jones, because he put it all together. This is what makes your life beautiful when you're gracious and you deflect and you realize you don't do it alone. All right, let's get into the clinic. The lines are all lit up. I've, all I've done is talk for two hours. Steve Pallette, I must have the gift of the gab. Blah, 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 blah. I can talk, 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 talk. All right, let's go to David. You're on with Dr. Clapper. How can I help? Good morning, Dr. Clapper, and to all Weekend Warriors. Uh, uh, good, good morning, David. I hear you're 64 years old. When's your birthday? Uh, November 21st, 1956. Uh, I'm July of 1957, so you're a little bit older than me as a 64-year-old. In fact, you're going to be 65 a little time soon here. Wow. Yeah, yeah I'm going to be joining the ranks of the seniors. What, uh, what do you do for a living, David? Yeah, I'm a mail carrier, oh. and I'm still carrier mail, but my niece moved up recently. Oh, I have a very warm place in my heart because, yes, my dad was a carpenter, but he decided he needed security. He couldn't really risk it being just a carpenter, so he worked 30 years in the post office, and he was there before there were zip codes. So I'm talking, mm-hmm. I go way back, and as a little kid, I used to go visit him at the post office, and he had a guy who used to sell stamps in the front, one of his buddies, who would save buffalo nickels and Indian uh, head pennies from people making change. And I remember right. the day I went, and my dad introduced me to this guy, and he gave me a whole sack of buffalo nickels. I still have it to this day. It's just fabulous. God bless you. All right, your knee is blowing mm-hmm. up. You're 64. Okay, if you listen to the show... You know one thing, you better not let them stick a needle in your knee. No stem cells, PRP, cortisone, no cockamamie anything into your knee, okay? Okay, and that's something I've always appreciated you saying. uh, Stay away from that. And you don't necessarily need an MRI because you need an exam and you need an x-ray, David. That's what needs to happen now. Information empowers us. 
I'm a surgeon. It doesn't mean you need surgery. That's the last thing we're going to talk about. And there's a book I wrote with Lindy Yui called Heal Your Knees. You need to get a copy. That will teach you how important the right kind of exercise is. The pool, the bike, the elliptical. Stay away from treadmill, lunges, squats, stair machines, weights. But I need to know what your diagnosis is. Could be all kinds of things. Probably it's arthritis. Probably you've worn out the cartilage. But I have no idea. I see 100 patients a week, and I've done this for 32 years. Sometimes I see people, they're 90 years old. Guess what? They have no arthritis in their knee. So I don't know. Over the radio, I can't tell you what exactly it is. That's why you need an exam. And this broken medical system we live in would allow them to send you to therapy without anybody ever examining you or looking at you with an x-ray. So, David, you win the prize because I was bad today. I didn't take a lot of calls. If you want, it'll be my pleasure to help you. As busy as I am, you have the permission from me to call my office, tell Arnie I said it's okay, and I'll be happy to help you if you want. If you don't, that's up to you, but I'm happy to help you. Well, I want it would be, be a great gift to me, and I thank you for it. You're very welcome. I look forward to meeting you and helping you and guiding you along the way. I want you to buy yourself. It's November coming up your birthday. I need you to buy yourself a birthday present, a Schwinn spinning bike. Okay, you don't need a Peloton. God bless Peloton, but you don't have to spend a lot of money. Get yourself a Schwinn spinning bike for your birthday. It's well-earned. And you may say, Dr. Clapper, I'm delivering mail. I'm on my feet. I don't need more exercise. Yes, you do. You need nurturing exercises. Your profession is an abuse. It's a lovely abuse. I'm sure you're like the favorite guy in the whole neighborhood. I can tell already. If you were my mailman, I would want to kiss you every day because it seems like you would be the right kind of guy with a big smile on your face every day. But that's abuse. You need to do the nurturing exercise. I think I'm going to write another book, David. It's called Stop Exercising, You're Killing Yourself. And then it's going to say, let me explain. It should be a bestseller. But anyway, I want you to get yourself for a birthday present, a Schwinn spinning bike, a half an hour, three, four days a week, and you will have less swelling, less pain, because you'll be making the muscles above and below your knee joint stronger. So do me that favor, get it ahead of time, and I really, from the bottom of my heart, thank you for being a weekend warrior, and I look forward to meeting you in person. Okay, David? Yeah, thank you. Where do I get the number to your office? You can go to the website of Cedar sinai and you'll see, you'll be able to find me. It's no big deal. And, and it's Clapper with a K. Me. It's not with a C. It's with a K. I once asked my yeah. mother, Clapper with a K, where did this name come from? My mother said, I don't know, Robbie. I think we were all horse thieves in Russia at one point. Thank you. What a heritage I have. Thank you. But God bless you, David. Really a joy to talk to you, and I look forward to meeting you. I think I'm going to take another call, so I'm going to say goodbye right now. Let's go to Joe. You're on with Dr. Clapper. How can I help? John. Joe, John. I think they call themselves the same thing. Hey, John, thank you for hanging on. Hey, thank you. Um, I'm a physician assistant student getting ready to graduate pretty soon, and I had a a long career in sports medicine, and I've been listening to your show on the way to work for – I don't know, about five or six years now. So I just want to say thank you for all the good stories and and all the learning and all all that kind of stuff. And uh, I was curious, you know, as a new graduate trying to get back into sports medicine and orthopedics, like any guidance you might have and how, like, you you know, I I know you guys have PAs and how, how do you incorporate them into your practice and kind of any guidance you could, you could provide would be, would be amazing. I've enjoyed your show for, many years. Well, God bless you for going into medicine and going into you have a big heart and don't ever lose that. You know, sometimes you'll meet people who I don't know why they became doctors or anybody in healthcare and there's a bitterness to them. You just keep remembering my voice because I don't need anybody to dissuade you. You're already on the right right track. The, the yeah. reality is, is yeah, they'll pollute the system. There's a lot. So you don't need me to remind you how crazy life can be. In fact, sometimes I, when I go to the beach, I watch seagulls, right? One of them finds a clam. You know what happens in the, we think like nature is this beautiful little place. You know what happens in the, the seagull finds a clam. Finally, he's been waiting all day for a crab or a clam to come up the beach. He, find, he can't help himself. So he starts ah, 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 like a seagull. 
You know what that does? It tells the other seagulls he found the clam. Guess what happens? Three other seagulls come out of the sky and knock him in the head and take the clam away from him that he's been waiting for so long. So to think that nature is a beautiful place and comforting and caring is actually not the case. What's beautiful about being a human being is to be able to bring joy, happiness, nurturing to the world. And that's what you need to be doing, which is what I can tell already you are doing. So here's my advice. You call Cedars because we could use a guy like you. <laughs> so don't don't stop. It, find the things that you love. But in the end, I will tell you, John, it's the one-on-one -on -one relationship that you have when, the, when you're in that exam room and it's just you right. and the patient. And don't ever be in a rush that you're standing in the hallway and you're talking to someone. You yeah. remember these words from me. You always sit down. You got to sit down. That tells the yeah, patient, yeah. even if you're going to be there for a minute, sit down. Here's the yeah. other thing I want you to do. Always touch them. They will feel sure. like you've yeah. been in the room with them for an hour. You've got to touch them. Sit down and touch them and look them in the eye. And if their arms are folded, you fold your arms. If they're bending on one knee, you bend one. Mirror what you see. This is a beautiful body language that you need when you're in the room with a patient. And just don't lose that joy and that drive that you have. And I really hope one day you will be by my side at Cedars because we could certainly use another good physician assistant at Cedars. Thanks so much for the kind words. I really appreciate it. All right, Warriors, All right. I only got yeah, a couple man. of minutes left. You're very welcome, John. Really, what a pleasure. Keep doing what you're doing. Warriors, next week, my guest, let's go back to medicine. We had the world of sports today with Mirren Fader, so I like to mix it up. So next week, my guest comes from the world of medicine, from Cedars. He's a spine surgeon. The great Neil Anand is going to be my guest, and I want to talk about the world of art the world of sports, and the spine business, back surgery. You know, the Oreo cookie clapper vision, you hear me do it all the time. The bone is like the cookie, the cream filling is the disc, right? Well, we're going to talk about Dwight Howard and Gloria Estefan, two people who've had spine surgery. And by the way, where is that Detroit pizza I talked about in the beginning of the show? Where in Southern California? Matthew Stafford comes from Detroit. Garo Yapremian started with the Detroit Lions. I got Detroit pizza on my mind. Well, the greatest Detroit pizza you will have is in Thousand Oaks. And the place is called, my mouth is watering already, is called Parma. Get the small one, the four slices, the Detroiter. Your life will forever be changed. Until then, can't wait till next week to talk about spine surgery with an expert, Dr. Neil Anand. And what happened to Gloria Estefan? Her spine surgery was because of a fracture. Dwight Howard, wait till you hear his story. God bless him, he came back. We're going to have a great season because he is back. Until next Saturday, I'll see you on the radio. Right, King James? Absolutely. And good to be courtly friends on the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. I love it. Be treated like medical royalty with Clapper Vision. Feast like a monarch on Doc's delectable finds. There we go. And that far rockaway jester humor. <laughs> Search Weekend Warrior and click on Doc's regal picture. Cool. <laughs> Sound the trumpets. No cortisone, alchemy, or leeches here. Everything's good. Bow, curtsy, like, or follow the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. That makes me happy. Cheers. <laughs>